how uh, Abram, when he was still Abram, prayed for King Abimelech, uh, and because Abimelech was about to commit a sin, and because of that, uh, none of his wives or concubines were able to have children, but Abram uh, prayed. This is the first time we see the Lord Rapha used. Uh, uh, prayed for healing, and that's the word Rapha, which means healer or great physician. He called on the healer or the great physician. Um, and then we walked through all of the cases of Sarah and uh, her conceiving Isaac. And uh, we saw that, um, you know, sometimes you've got to uh, stand for your healing for many, many, many years. Um, you know, when he first talked to uh, to Abram, he was, what, 75 years, I think we said, so at the age of 75. And then by the time uh, Isaac actually came along, he was actually 100. Uh, so he had to stand for 25 years, and along the ways he made some mistakes. Him and Sarah made some mistakes. Uh, they tried to take uh, what God had said, and, into the, and, and they tried to do it. They tried to make it happen. Um, and, and they thought, well, we'll just help God out. And uh, Abram ended up having Ishmael, and uh, that slowed things down. So we learned not to do that. We learned not to try to um, do the, do healing for God. Just depend on his word and let him do his thing. Um, so today we're going to look at some more. We just got done with, prayers, with uh, praying for those that are sick, those that need healing. If you listen to us online and you need healing, reach out to us and let us know. You can email us. Um, or messages us on Facebook um, and let us know that you need prayer for healing. Um, and we'll continue to pray for you and lift you up and um, stand with you in agreement for healing. And uh, there's several people that we do that for, and we know that God's working the healing in Jesus' mighty name. And uh, I know one that they're working the healing in. It's just I just heard it just as plain as day. Miss Cindy, the Lord's got you. He's going to take care of that knee situation, and he's got you healed. And so just begin to praise him and thank him for your healing. He's on the scene. He's on the case. He's working, to, he's working in your body to bring you a recovery in Jesus' name. And uh, so tonight, let's uh, pray uh, just for the preaching of the word, and then we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. So let's pray and then uh, we'll, for the preaching of the word, and then we'll go from there. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we've done prayed for healing. We know that you're working divine healing in the, in, the, in the hearts and the minds and the emotions of the people. And so, Father, we just thank you that as we preach the word, wisdom, revelation, and knowledge is seated down in the good ground of the heart. We ask that you think through mine and Michael's mind. You speak through our lips the very oracles of God. That, that uh, light and understanding about how to receive healing comes. And, Father, how to um, not cause situations that will bring sickness in the first place will come. And, Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. We're going to pick up right here. Well, I, I'm over here in Mark. I need to get into Genesis. Yep, that would work better. <laughs> Genesis, that's right there at the front of your Bible, chapter 25. And we're going to look here at this account. This, this account shouldn't take us too long to get through. It's only six little verses. 
So Genesis 25, we're going to pick up right here in verse 20. And uh, now it's kind of interesting because verse 19 says, and these are the generations of Isaac. A lot of times when you read that, a lot of times your mind just goes blank. Because you're thinking, oh, this is the begots and the begots and the begots and the begots. But there's teachings in those begots that, you'll, that, that if you're not careful, you'll miss. Now, thankfully, this spot doesn't go into great begotting. Um, but let's read here in verse 20 to 26. All right. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took. Uh, Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pandarium, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together with her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when their days, uh, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a, like a hairy garment, And they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. All right. So looking at verse 20, it says Isaac was how old? He was 40. No, verse 20. How old was he? 40. 40. He was 40 years old. Then when you get over here to verse 26, and Isaac and and Esau are actually born, how old is he? Sixty. Sixty. So we don't know exactly when he prayed. The Bible doesn't tell us specifically when he prayed. But the good indication is is that he was probably around 40. He was probably in his his 40s at some point. And we can make that assumption because look at verse 20. It says, And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. Um, So, you know, being 40 years old, he was probably in a hurry to get his his, uh, line going. They were probably in a hurry to have children at that point. Well, in 21, though, it says she was barren. Right. So he had to have time to figure out she so was barren. So he had barren. to have some time to figure it out. She, Rebecca had to have some time to figure it out. Um, so I seriously doubt that he waited, you know, 15 years before he said, you know, I think maybe we need to talk to the Lord. Most people, when they're trying to get pregnant, um, within a year to two years, if they're not pregnant, they're seeking the doctor's help. Usually within a year to two years. So he was probably in his early 40s. Um, when they started this situation. Now look at verse 21. It says, And Isaac entreated the Lord. Now that's a word we don't use anymore. Really what that word simply means in our vernacular is Isaac prayed to the Lord. He prayed. He prayed to the Lord. Um, And then I found it very interesting. I had to go figure it out because I was like, now wait a minute. It says, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. So he went to praying, praying and talking to the Lord about her being barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. I was like, wait a minute. The Lord prayed? 
No, what this means is the Lord listened to the prayers of Isaac. So Isaac prayed, and God listened. And it says, and the Lord entreated him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. This is the first time that we see uh, that, that, um, well, actually, it's the second time that we see that they prayed, and um, there was an answer and the healing. Now, the other thing that's very interesting about this verse is, um, or this segment of verses, is there's no indication in this, te- in this teaching or in this recording, there's no indication that Isaac or Rebecca sinned. There's no indication that they sinned. We might be able to see, if we went back and we looked at the family lineage, we might be able to see that maybe Rebecca came out of, um, out of a pagan family or something like that, but that's not directly said. Sometimes sickness, sometimes infertility, sometimes disease comes even when there's no sin. So just because there's a sickness in your body doesn't mean that you're wrong. doesn't mean that you have some sin, some guilt. It doesn't mean that you necessarily mean the, uh, that you've missed the mark of God. It simply means that we live in a corrected world and that sickness or lack in your body has come because of the curse. And uh, I want you to notice, let's read just a little bit more. It says, and then it says in verse 22, and it says, And the children struggled together within her. That word struggled together means that they crushed, that they, that they crashed and crushed and basically fought in the womb. That's basically what these two kids did. They were just constantly fighting. In other words, this were, was not an easy pregnancy. They were trying to get enough room. Yeah, this was not an easy pregnancy. And look at what she does. It says, And she said, if it be, she said, if so, why I thus, in other words, I took out the italicized, in other words, she's like, God, why did you, because they didn't have sonograms back then. They couldn't, they, could, they had no way of looking other than her size, uh, they had no way of knowing that she had twins. They had no way of knowing. All she knew was that was in her womb, there was a lot of tumbling, a lot of turning, a lot of distress in her body. She just knew that there, she didn't know exactly what was going on, but she knew that this wasn't normal. And look at what she does. It says, and she went to inquire of the Lord. Sometimes when you're dealing with sickness, especially if you can't get clear answers from the doctors, go pray. Inquire means to pray. God, I've learned something about God over the years. God is a perfect gentleman, and God will not tell you anything unless you ask him. He won't. I've had people, they're like, you know, up against the wall or something, and I'll go, well, have you gone and talked to the Lord about it? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, because they'll come to me asking me why. I don't know. I'm not the ruler of their life. I'm like, uh, have you asked God what's going on? And they're like, well, no. And I'm like, probably a good idea. Why don't you go ask him and then come back to me uh, and let me know what he says. And they go, oh, well, how? There's an idea. And I'm like, yeah, there's an idea. Um, so she didn't know what was going on in her. And so she went to the Lord. She said, Lord, 
How much do you know if you haven't been able to have children and you're in your 40s, and now you become pregnant and your body is turning upside down and sideways and all kinds of problems, how much do you know? Don't you think you probably want to go to the great physician and say, uh, physician, what is happening? What is happening? And notice what he said, and the Lord said. Does it say that the Lord refused to speak to her? No. The Lord said. The Lord told her what was going on. Now, let me say this. These people knew how to wait on the Lord. These people knew that sometimes it took time for the Lord to speak. Notice it it said that she inquired of the Lord. In other words, she went and she sought him of the answer. I don't believe in this situation that Rebecca went to the Lord and just in frustration said, Lord, what is going on? And he said, well, Rebecca, let me just go ahead and tell you. You've got some twins in there, and, well, they're fighting against each other because they're going to fight against each other all the days of their life. I don't believe that was the case. I believe that Rebecca had to go and get off by herself. I believe that she had to get quiet, she had to get still, and she had to get her mind quieted. She had to get her emotions quieted. She probably had to wait for the babies to go to sleep. You know, for her body to stop rumbling. She had to get still. She had to get quiet. She had to wait. Well, the scripture doesn't say anything about that. Well, that's true. The scripture doesn't say anything about that. But we see all through the Old Testament that any time that they had to get a word from God, they had to wait on the Lord. In fact, the doc- in fact um, over there in um, Jeremiah, when he's talking to Jeremiah about the plan of God for his life, He said, if you'll seek, he said, if you'll pray and wait, if you'll pray and wait. So I believe that Rachel understood the need to pray and wait on the Lord. It says she went to inquire of the Lord. In other words, I believe she went, I believe she went to the Lord and she said, Lord, I'm not leaving this spot until you tell me what's going on. And she was willing to wait. Sometimes to get answers in your prayers You need to learn to sit down and say, Lord, I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Too often, too often um, we get in a hurry and Satan knows that we're in a hurry. And so Satan will whisper something and we'll go, oh, that's God. And we run with it and it's a trap. No, wait on the Lord. And the Lord told her. And he said, and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with healing, but we do understand that Jacob and that Esau and Jacob, that that's that's our lineage. That's our spiritual lineage. And we know that later Esau sells his birthright. He's the firstborn. He sells his birthright for a bowl of soup. And uh, and Jacob ends up, Jacob, the younger one, um, ends up uh, ruling, and Jacob becomes, God changes his name to Israel, and, and Israel is still a nation today, and we're adopted into the family of Israel, and all of that. So we understand now, we can look at this and see where he says there's two manner of people. Uh, that basically, there's the pagans and the sinners, and then there's the righteousness of God. Um, and so it comes out of her, and we understand this now. 
But I want, what I want you to see here is he said, The Lord said unto her, Two nations in thy womb uh, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, according to tradition, even biblical t- t- tradition, help my words today, Lord, uh, it's always the older sibling, especially the son, that gets all the birthright. He's the one that gets the blessing. He's the one that gets the majority. He's the one that basically inherits the father's wealth and all of that. But here's the deal. Here's what we need to take from this. Here it said the elder's going to serve the younger. Does that, does that follow man's tradition? No. And when it comes to healing, God doesn't always heal according to man's tradition. And you need to understand that. Healing does not always, because we can think, well, God, you can just do this. God, you can just heal me this way. And I can just about guarantee you 99.9% of the time, that is not how God is going to heal you. Because God doesn't do the thing, doesn't do things the way that we think he should, nor does he do it in the time that we should. Because here's the deal. If we could figure it out in our own mental ability, then why do we need God? Why do we need God? No, God is always going to do it differently. He's going to do it in a different time. He's going to do it in a different manner. Sometimes we think, okay, God used the doctor, and we'll think that God's going to use this doctor, and God ends up using that doctor over there. Sometimes we think we're going to go in and the doctor's going to tell us, well, let's handle this this way. We go in and the doctor says, no, we're going to do it this way. See, God doesn't always do things the way we think he ought to do it. In fact, most of the time he doesn't. So we can see a few things here. We can see that um, when you pray, healing takes place. Did it take place immediately? It didn't take place immediately because it said that, that when, when he prayed and asked for her to have children, he was in his 40s, more than likely. But that baby didn't come, those babies didn't come until she, he was in his six, till he was 60. So it was 20 years before the healing, before the recovery takes place. So often people re- do, fail to receive their healing because they quit on God before it manifests. So often. I've seen this time and time again. People are in the church service, they feel a good, woo, they got a good message, they've got a nice spiritual high, they're like, that's it, I'm the healed of the Lord, I'm thanking God. They get up the next morning, they ask God, they check, instead of asking God, God, I'm still healed, you know, instead of saying, God, I thank you that I'm healed, they ask their body, body, are you still in pain? Oh, I'm still in pain, well, I guess it didn't work. Well, guess what? You just completely undid your healing. You just completely... You, you picked up your sickness off the altar of God and carried it with you. How can God heal that? He can't. Glory to God. So we see a few things here. Uh, the next healing that we take that takes place is actually all the way over in the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, the next actual physical healing is in the book of Numbers. In chapter 16. And, uh, no, chapter 12. Oh, 12, all right. I missed it. Numbers chapter 12. I read the notes wrong. <laughs> now, this one's an interesting one. And uh, we're going to see some things here about how sickness can come. Uh, so we're going to pick up in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. 
and we're going to end basically we're going to end up reading this whole chapter. All right. In verse 1, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married. Okay, we got to stop right there. We didn't get very far, did we? If you don't know who Marion is, Marion was Moses' sister. Aaron, of course, we all know is Marion is Moses' brother. And look at what it says. It says, Marion and Aaron spoke against who? The, Moses. Moses. They were coming down on Moses. And why were they coming down on Moses? Look, because he married an Ethiopian woman, an Ethiopian woman. In other words, Moses, who was of Jewish descent, Middle Eastern descent, married a black woman. That's what he did. He married a black woman. Yep. But there's, there's interracial marriages in the Bible. It Imagine wasn't that. about the color of her skin. You need to understand, it wasn't about the color of her skin. It was about, that word Ethiopian actually is really, it means uh Crushites, C-U-S-H, crush, that's one of the tribes. Crushites, I-T-S, means a person of the crush family. In other words, they were mad because he married somebody out of, out of the family and out of the faith. He married, he married somebody that, that didn't measure up. Now, Satan will always try to make it about color or race or ethnicity, or something like that. But God doesn't care, because we're all created in his image. But Marion and Aaron were speaking against Moses. In other words, they were gossiping about him behind his back. They were murmuring and complaining against him, all because of who he chose to marry. Let's find out what happens. All right, so... They were that um, they were they were speaking against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Now here's the deal: they didn't have a problem with the woman. They had a problem with the fact that Moses married her. They or he were had married to, an Ethiopian woman. They were try, They were they were like, uh, I have the authority, the power to say who you can and who you can't marry. In other words, Moses did not bow down to what they wanted. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us, and the Lord heard it? Or, or, and the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Listen, if Satan can get you over into murmuring, if Satan can get you over into thinking that you're better than somebody else, Satan can get you over into saying some stupid things. Now, I want to remind you, Moses was God's chosen man. And we're going to see in a minute that Moses walked very close to God. But they went from being upset about who the wife was to look at what happened. They said, go back up to verse 2 for me, Derek. They said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only to Moses? In other words, they said... Well, God talks to us. Surely God can use us. Why do we need a pastor? Why do we need a prophet? Why do we need a spiritual leader in our life? Doesn't God speak to us? 
Has he not spoken also by us? In other words, has God not also used our mouth to speak to people? They were elevated because they didn't like what Moses did. They said, you know what? We're just as good. God can use us just as much. There's nothing special about them. In one way, they're right. There's nothing special. In another way, they're wrong. And God's going to point it out here in a minute. Yep. And it says, and the Lord heard it, meaning he heard their murmuring. That's right. Now, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were on upon the face of the earth. Moses so that was, means he was a humble man. He was the most humble man. Yeah. Very humble. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, "Come out ye three unto the taber, un, into the ta, or unto the tabernacle of the congregation." And they three came out. Now, here's the deal. Moses didn't have a clue. They were doing this behind Moses' back. And, but God heard it. And God said, I know oh, how to fix this. You want to talk about him behind his back? Hey, Marion. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Moses. Come here. This is the Father God that's full of love and everything's acceptable. He's a, he just called them to the carpet, so to speak. Yeah. Well, the Bible tells us to confront those that offend us. It does. The Bible does. And God's offended, and he's confronting those that have offended him. Verse 5. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. This is like, I don't know if you've ever had this situation, but this is like... You get the phone call from the parents, and you hear, get home now. Get home. Stay home. I'm on my way. I'm coming. And you're like, this is not okay. God called from a distance, and God said, I know what you've been doing. Get your fanny home and get it home now. I'm on my way. And they're going, this is not good, God. Oh, this is not good. And he gets to the house and he says, Marion, Aaron, come here. And Moses is off on the side going, uh, what'd they do? What happened? Oh, no. He, he just, I mean, they got called hard. <laughs> and he appeared, he appeared in, as a cloud. He, he appeared in all his might and glory. Listen, when the glory cloud comes and you're getting called to the carpet, that's not a good day. That is a very bad day. In verse 6. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. And I will speak unto him in a dream. Now, I want you to how do you know? He said, he said, if there be a prophet, he said, I'm going to make myself known to him in a vision. They're going to have visions. And... He's going to speak to them in dreams. This is a mark of a true prophet. They have visions and they have dreams. But now Moses, the way this reads, it's a little confusing, so don't get lost on me here. All right. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. Now, God did not just give Moses dreams and give him visions. God actually met with Moses face to face. So he wasn't saying that Moses was not a prophet. 
he was basically saying he's uh, more than a prophet because marion and arian were like can't we be the voice of god basically they were trying to elevate themselves to an office that they did not hold they were trying to take an office they did not hold and he said oh really you think you're going to be at the office of Moses? He said, let me tell you something. Moses is not just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a prophet, for he and I know each other intimately and personally. He flat told him, he said, you have not obtained nor will you obtain the level of relationship that I have with my servant, Moses. He said, listen, he said, he said this about Moses. He said, my servant, Moses, is not simply a prophet. He's much, much more, for he is he is faithful in all my house. In other words, Moses doesn't murmur and complain behind my back. That's what he said. All right, verse 8. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. Or face to face. Face to face. Even apparently and not in dark speeches. In other words, he said, when I speak to Moses, he said, I speak to him very clearly, and I do not give him parables. I tell him exactly what I'm thinking. And he all, speaks to him very plainly and very clearly. And it, it says apparently, so this means he's not going to do it in the dark. Nope. He's, he's going to speak to Moses right in front of all the people. And he does. Openly. Remember, he goes up on Mount Sinai. He, the cloud is right there. Moses is in the cloud. They can literally see he's meeting with God face to face. And they go, well, we don't know what happened to him. Seriously? Come on, people. All right. And the similitude of the Lord shall be, or shall he behold. Meaning he, he's going to see me. Well, not only, that, not only is he going to see him, but he's also going to take on my appearance. Remember when Moses would get in the presence of God, his face shined with the glory of God to the point that he had to wear a veil because the people couldn't, tol- couldn't handle it? See, Moses wasn't just a prophet. Moses actually took on the semblance of God, the appearance of God. So, what so, he actually so took that on. word similitude is, is, the, is the Hebrew word temonah. It says, uh, the definition is form, image, likeness, representation, semblance. That's right. So that means that that he's going to see my form. He's going to see my likeness. He's going to see my semblance. And he's going to take it on as himself, which is what we do when we get glorified. When we get glorified, we take on the image of God. Why? Because we were created. But Moses was doing this back here in the Old Testament. He was doing it in the Old Testament. Glory to God. And then it goes on, wherefore then were we not, or were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? If you know all this about Moses, that I'm going to speak to him face to face, and that he's been able to see me face to face. And he's even taken on the glory glow. Uh, he's like, listen, if you know, if you know that Moses is the servant of God, he hears from heaven, uh, were you not afraid? To talk about him behind his back? If you knew I had him, do you know how many people talk about their about the servants of God behind their back? They do. They do. They degrade them. They'll say things like, man, I just don't know about that. And they'll talk about him and they'll degrade him. Who do they think they are getting up in my business? And You better watch it. You better watch it. You You better watch that stuff. You don't want to reject the God's, God's servants. 
If somebody says to you, and I've said this before to some people, I've asked them before because the Lord told me, sent me to them to correct them, and I'll look at them and I'll say, listen, do you believe that I'm a servant of God? And they'll go, well, yeah. And then I'll correct them. And, you know, and I'll ask them, do you believe I can hear from heaven? Yeah, yeah, Miss Robbie, I know you hear from heaven. Do you believe that God can talk to me and through me? Yes, Miss Robbie, I believe that. And then I'll go and I'll correct them. And then they make fun of me behind my back and they mock me. And guess what? It has not turned out well for them. It has not turned out well for them. Does that mean there's something special about me? Uh, no, it just means that God doesn't take it lightly when you mock and make fun of his servants. You're disrespecting the office, exactly. It's not about the person, it's about the office. And Moses had a strong office. Verse 9. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. I want you to look at this, and it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. In other words, he asked them a question. He said, You know whom you know exactly who Moses is. Remember, Aaron stood with him against Pharaoh. God, Aaron was right there every time, every single time that Moses had to go to Pharaoh and talk to Pharaoh, Aaron was standing right there. And he saw Pharaoh be brought down by the hand of God because he came against Moses. And yet now, now, because he's now in a position of leadership, because he's in a position, he's like, I'm good, I'm walking with God, I got this going on, I don't need no minister anymore, I don't need no pastor anymore, I can read the Bible for myself, I can figure it out for myself, sound familiar? Come on, and he said, I don't need that anymore, and guess what? It brought destruction on them. It brought destruction on them. And so God said, uh, if you knew that they were a servant of God, if you knew that they took on my semblance, if you knew that I talked with them face to face, why were you not, and you saw what I did to Pharaoh, why were you not afraid? Reverential fear. Why did you not have reverential fear? And notice, they didn't have an answer. They didn't have an answer. It's, all it says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. In other words, they stood there with the canary in their mouth. The cat that ate the canary. Oh, okay. The cat that ate the canary. I was wondering what you were going there. to. They stood there. You know, the cat's not supposed to eat the canary. And they asked the cat, did you eat the canary? And the canary's feathers are hanging out of his mouth. No, I didn't eat the, fair, the, cat, the, the canary. They stood there like the, like the cat that ate the canary. They had zero answer for him. In other words, God, they knew that God had them. And it says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And now notice, and it says, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. Now, does that mean that God struck Miriam with sickness? Absolutely not. What God did is he withdrew his hand, and because she had broken the law, because she had murmured against God, and obviously, well, why didn't Aaron get, get it? Well, I'm sorry to say, I'd have to make, we can't prove it out, but I suspect that, Aaron, that Miriam is the one that stirred Aaron up. She's probably the one that went to Aaron and said, uh, hasn't God said? And Aaron probably went, well, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. Listen, 
It's dangerous to get in agreement with people that are in sin. It's dangerous to get in agreement with people that are in sin. All right. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Now you might think, well, what happened to Aaron? Aaron is about to lose his sister. He's about to be grieving the loss of his sister because of his sin and because of her sin. See, she's the one that came down with the sickness, but he's the one that's going to have his sister stolen from him. How much do you know? It's not okay when your sibling is stolen from you because of your bad behavior. All right. Verse 12. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed, wherein he cometh out of his mother's womb. Or, or, went, or half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. So that word right there where it says heal, that's the word Rapha. So Aaron, now, on you, so we've got major sickness here. They've murmured against God. They've murmured against God's uh, servants. They've puffed themselves up. They've tried to take an office that was not their office. And this all happened because Moses married somebody that they didn't think they should have married. He should have married. This is a problem. They've got over into prejudice. They've gotten over into pride. Can you see the levels of sins that have taken place because of one thought that entered in? Satan whispered, are you kidding me? Moses just married an Ethiopian. And they got into the trap. And they just kept going down the rabbit hole. And got themselves into such sin that Miriam is now leprous. So she's got this horrible, painful disease. Her, 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 she's rotting, basically, while she's alive. She's basically rotting. She's going to die from leprosy. And it's going to be a painful death. And she's going to be cut off from the family. And Aaron is going to have to watch this happen and he's going to have to lose his sister, and he was in on it. So Aaron was very smart. Aaron said to Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we, we have done foolishly. He didn't say Mary. He didn't, Aaron didn't blame Marion. He took ownership. He said, he said uh, Moses, we acted the fool. We acted like the idiot. We were wrong. We were wrong in this situation. Moses repented not only to God, but directly to Moses as well. And he repented on his behalf and on Miriam's behalf. Let's keep going. All right, verse 14. And the Lord said... Oh, wait, I didn't finish for about 13 commentary on 13, sorry. And Moses cried on to the Lord. In other words, Moses, he's got something to work with because Aaron repented... He's got something to work with. And Moses cried unto the Lord. I believe Moses said, Father, you heard my brother Aaron. You've seen Marion's tears. Now heal her. Once you repent of your sin, healing is yours. Satan can no longer say, well, you sinned, therefore this sickness now has to remain. So many people will say, when sickness comes and they start to review their life and they start to see the sins that open the door, even though they've repented, they get the mindset of, 
well, God, I deserve it. Did Aaron do that? Did Miriam do that? Well, Lord, we were foolish, so we deserve this consequence. So I guess Miriam's just going to go ahead and have to die, and I'm going to have to live without my sister. Is that what they did? No. No. Not at all. He repented, and, and Moses immediately, with, with um, authority, said, with authority, he said, uh, Lord, Rafa. In other words, he said, Rafa. He said, healer, physician, now, now. The moment you repent of your sins that is the moment that Satan has no longer has a right to put sickness on you because of that sin. Because of that sin. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit on her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. Now that right there, that confused me. Let her father had her father spit on her i was like what in the world that goes to the law and it goes to pathogens if somebody spits in your face there's all kinds of opportunity for sickness and disease to take hold and so you would be considered unclean for seven days for seven days and you'd have to go out of the community for seven days you'd have to be cut off for seven days and make sure that no sickness grabs a hold of your body and so basically what god said is um, she's she's dirty, she's unclean, send her out for seven days. Yeah, COVID quarantine. That's right. exactly it. This, this is quarantine. And how much you know for those seven days, she had the opportunity to get her, her uh, mind and her emotions about uh, the Ethiopian sister-in-law right. She had, she had the opportunity to, to think about what she'd done and to Sorry. repent. This is con- basically God said, okay, I'm going to heal her, but she's still going to have consequences. She's going to be outside of the community for seven days. Listen, you don't help anybody by denying them consequences. Do you hear me? You help no one by denying them consequences. Because consequences teach you that your behavior is not acceptable. It's like when, you, when you're a little kid and your parents tell you don't touch the hot stove. Well... If they touch the hot stove, they're going to figure out why. Yep. If you stop them from touching the hot stove, every time they go to reach for it, they're never going to learn. Yep. I mean, it doesn't mean you let them get burned on purpose. You don't want purpose. them to get burned badly, but... You don't let but, them get burned on purpose. But you know how much you know? When that, when that child does finally reach right, up... Right, I know. Not, that's a little too much, yeah. but yeah. You know what I'm saying? When that, when that child, Really what he's saying is when that child reaches up and gets burned and you're not quite quick enough, that's what he's talking about. When you're not right there and the child gets a little burned or they touch it and they go, ooh, hot. How much do you know you don't go, oh, baby, I, you know, I'm so sorry the stove reached out and bit you. No, you go, honey, I told you it was hot and now you feel the consequences. That's what he's talking about. Yep. You know, that's what he's talking about there. Let's keep going. All right. And, Mir- and Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days. And the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And after, so they didn't leave her behind. So your sin can affect your entire company. Your sin, your sickness can affect. Miriam's sin stopped the entire nation of Israel 
from traveling to the promised land for seven days. That's, <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. Um, so, you know, how much, you know, when you've got sickness, when you've got disease in your body, it slows everything down. Now, it doesn't mean that you shut up in your, in your life and you stop living. That doesn't mean that. But this is, a, this is a good reason to ward off murmuring and complaining and fussing about some things. Now, the next one that we want to go look at is actually in Numbers 16. Numbers 16. We've got a lot to read here. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 40 and find out what happens uh, to cause... Well, we're going to end up reading about, oh, I don't know, 50 verses in all. But so verses, we're going to be on this next week, too. No, we'll finish this today. <laughs> um, but let's, let's read and let's find out what happens here. This is, um, this is where um, Aaron actually ends up stopping a plague. He has to get between a plague and the people. But let's find out why he has to get between this plague and these people. Uh, so Numbers chapter 16, verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Korath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abram, A Abram the sons of Elab, and On, the son of Perleth, sons of Reuben, took men. Okay, so Korah is of the sons of Levi. And the other people that he, and, and so this is part of the Levitical, he's part of the Levitical priesthood. So let's keep going. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Okay. So Korah, Dathan, uh, Perath, uh, they gathered up 250 of the Israelite governors. There were 250, in other words, within the Israelite nation, because the Israelite nation were several million people, um, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, depending on at what point in history you're in. And so Moses could not lead all of them all of the time, so he assigned certain people to be leaders over certain groups of Israelites. And they called these guys governors or princes because they had rule like a prince would rule within the nation of Israel. And Korah gathered up a couple of the other people that were of the different tribes, and, he's got, and, he, and Korah said, go, get, uh, go gather us up some princes that will stand with us against Moses. And he gathered up 250 of them. Now, it wasn't that long ago that the whole nation stood still because Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, murmured against them. They just saw this. They just stood still for seven days, just not real far in the past. And yet here Korah gathers up 250 people against Moses. Let's read and see it. All right. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Now, this is crazy. 
I forgot to point out in verse 2, it says, Princes that 250 of the princes of the assembly, so the governors, who were famous in the congregation. In other words, everybody in Israel knew who these 250 men were. Not only did they know who they were, but they were men of renown. In other words, these were these were good men, supposedly. These were men that had good character. These were men that were fighters. These were men that stood for God. These were the these were the Hollywood superstars of Israel, these men. And then these men, so these men, these superstars of Israel, stand up against Moses. And this is what the and look at what it says. And against Aaron. Against Moses and Aaron. Look at what it says. They said, "You take too much upon you." In other words, they're saying, "Moses, Aaron, you have too much authority, power, and control. All of the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord among them. And the Lord is among them. Therefore, um." When lift up you, uh, therefore, then lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. This is exactly what Mary and Aaron just did. This is exactly the same thing. They basically came against Moses and Aaron and said, well, who are you? Doesn't God use us? Well, who are you to tell us? Doesn't God talk to us? Well, we have rule and we have authority and we have power, but Moses and Aaron you're taking advantage of the people. They stirred the, converg- the congregation of Israel against Moses and Aaron. They were trying to take a position that was not theirs to take. Verse 4, and when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. So remember, Moses was a humble man. And he spake unto Korath and unto all his company, saying, even tomorrow... The Lord will show who are his and who is holy. See, he'd had experience in this. He just had experience in this. But not long ago. He he knows what's coming. And will cause him to come near unto him. Even him who he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. Basically, he said, oh, you think I'm taking advantage of the people? I tell you what. Why don't we let the Lord himself answer this for you? Verse 6. This do. Take your censers, Korah, and all of his company, and put fire, so, so this is the incense burner, yep. and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. <laughs> he said, uh, uh, Levi, you think I take too much? You're trying to take an office that's not yours. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee. And ye seek the priesthood also. So basically what Moses said, he said, now let me see if I got this right, Levi. And all of you, you 250 uh, princes, governors, let me see if I got this right. God has put you in a position where you get to serve in the tabernacle where his presence is. 
God's put you in a position where you have say and authority over the people. God's put you in a position where you have an office of authority within these million people. And yet you think, it's, uh, you think that office is too small for you? You think that office is too insignificant for you? You think that you're so special and so good and that you can hear from heaven better than I can uh, that you need to take the office of the, of the pastor? They were trying to elevate themselves and they were trying to take an office that was not theirs. And we do this too. We try to, you know, God will put us in a position somewhere where he wants us, where he can use us for, our, for his glory, and then we'll complain and murmur against it and say, well, God, this just isn't good enough for me. It's not good enough for me. Derek got corrected in this just recently, and I'm not picking on him, but Derek was like, God, this isn't, this is just complaining, murmuring, and murmuring, and fussing, fussing, and then the Lord told him, he went to go get him a different job, and the Lord flat told him, he said, I didn't put you in that hospital so you could be behind closed doors somewhere. I put you out front where you could be used by me and let your light shine. But Derek was going, well, but I don't want that office. I don't want that position. Be careful. This happens in, in just private life, not just in the church. Be careful. Basically, Moses was saying, y'all are just wanting to take something that you have not yet earned, is really what the situation was. Now look at how arrogant uh, Corinth is. Verse 11. For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? It's like, what has Aaron done? Y'all are fussing at Aaron, and Aaron hadn't even done anything. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abram and the sons of Elab, which said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? Except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? Will, we will not come up. In other words, we're not going to do what you say. <laughs> Listen, Satan has gotten so, so, he's gotten a hold of their minds so much. They said, whatever, Moses, we ain't following you. We ain't coming up there. You're a nobody. You don't matter. They thought, because they had the numbers on their side, that God was going to stand with them. Not only that, but at this point, not only are they against uh, Aaron and Moses, but they're saying that, that they were brought out of the land of milk and honey and brought into the wilderness to be killed. Who are they murmuring against now? Because yeah. God yeah. brought them out, not Moses. Yeah. Have you ever blamed God for your position? God, why did you do this to me? God, why did you bring me to this place? God, why did you why did you give me this job? Oh God, listen, that murmuring will get you in trouble. That murmuring will get you in trouble. Let's keep going. And Moses was very wroth and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. I have not taken one ass from them. A donkey. Neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow, and take every man his censer, and put incense in them, and bring ye to the Lord, every man his censer. 
250 censers, thou also and Aaron, each of you, his censer. And they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense therein and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. Now, I want you to notice right before that, uh, the, the 250 said, what are you going to do, Moses, if we don't come to you? Are you going to kill us? Are you going to pick out our eyes and make us blind? He basically said, uh, Moses, there ain't nothing you can do. Or ain't, not only did he say, Moses, there's nothing you can do, but he basically said, um, Moses, if you do kill us, um, it's going to look bad on you because we're standing up against you. It's just total intimidation is what it is. And so Moses says, first Moses says, Lord, do not receive their, it's interesting. He said, Moses was very wroth, wroth and said unto the Lord, respect not their offering. And then he tells them to make an offering to the Lord. Isn't that crazy? Look at what he says. He first he said, verse 15, he said, Lord, respect not their offering. I have not taken one ass or donkey from them, neither have I hurt one of them. He said, Lord, I'm going to let you be the judge, but keep in mind, I've not done anything, and therefore they're not worthy of you receiving their offering. And then what's he do? He turns around and he tells them, and Moses said unto Corinth, be, that, uh, be thou and all thy company before the Lord um, and they... And Aaron tomorrow, and take every man his censer, and put incense into them, and bring them before the Lord. In other words, he turns around and he tells them, bring the Lord an offering. What's he doing? He's marking them. He's marking them. Verse 19. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation. In other words, get back from them, that I may consume them in a moment. Here's a tip. If you're around people that are murmuring and exercising and kind of lifting themselves up above God and the people of God, get away from them. Get away from them. Because God is about to lift his hand off of them and off of their associates. And sickness, is, sickness, death, and disease is on its way. Because the protection of God is about to be removed. Listen, if you're around these people, get away from them. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. And Moses rose up and went into Dathan and Abiam, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. Abram. Anyways. It's not spelled the same. It's not spelled the same. On every side, and Dathan and Abram came out and stood in the door of their tents, and their wives, and their sons, and their little children. Listen, God told them, he said, get away from them all. Now, I believe, I truly believe 
that if Korah and Dathan and Abram had repented right there and said, God, sincerely, we're sorry. But really what they did is they mocked Moses. Really they mocked Moses when they said, um, it says, and they fell upon their faces and said, O oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with the entire congregation? And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation. Basically, they were like, Okay, God, we understand these people sinned, but are you going to be against all of us? And, and, and like, they were, they, there were some people backpedaling at this point. But God said, and notice it says, And Moses rose up and went to Dathan and Abram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He said he went to him. He gave him an opportunity to repent and get right, and he didn't. All right, verse 28. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind or accord. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make, make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Now God, Moses, didn't, Moses did not open up the earth. Moses just said what the Lord said. The Lord predicted what was going to happen. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord told Moses what was going to happen. And Moses just said, okay, if this happens, then you know that, 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 that the Lord's got my back. But the Lord did not open up the earth. The Lord just revealed what was going to happen. And Moses declared it. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder, and was un, and was un, that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained to Korah, and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire. From the Lord and consumed two hundred and fifty the two hundred and fifty men that offended or that offered incense. Sounds like that he didn't accept their offering. Nope. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest, that he take up the censers out of the burning and scatter thou the fire yonder, for they are hallowed. The censers of these sinners against their own souls. Let them take them. Uh, or make them broad plates for, for a covering of the altar. For they offered them before the Lord, before they are hallowed, or therefore they are hallowed, and they shall be a sign unto the children of Israel. And Eleazar the priest took the brazen censers wherewith they were, uh, wherewith they that were burnt had offered, and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar to be a memorial unto the children of Israel, that no stranger which is not of the seed of Aaron come near to, the, to offer incense before the Lord, that he be not as Korah and his, as his company, as the Lord said to him by the hand of Moses. Now here's why the Lord did not receive those that had the incense. He did not receive them because they had unrepented sin in their life. That's why. Many times 
we bring, um, we come to the church, we come to church with unrepented sins, and we go, okay, God, here I am, and yet we've got these sins, and then we wonder why sickness, death, and disease is in our household. It's because God can't, if we're not clean to God, God has, he has to surrender us to the hand of Satan. That's spiritual law. And so God said, well, that's wonderful that you brought it to me, but you've got all this unrepented sin, and therefore Satan has a right to you. So this is a situation, this, so the entire, so the murmuring of three, the murmuring of Korah, uh, what was it, Korah, and Abram, and Dathan, Dathan, Dathan and stirred up an entire nation against God and got him into trouble. Now, that, so, now what happened to them was pretty horrible, wasn't it? Right. Well, how much you know? Korah, I mean, women and children, everybody in their household got swallowed right. up. But Korah and Dathan and Abram, how much you know? They were following the devil. They were serving Satan. So God just said, you want to serve Satan? Okay. The earth's going to take you down to his pit. And that's where they went. And you can say, well, but God, what about the children? The children were steeped in disobedience. The children were not going to be any different than the parents. This is why it goes on. Now, this is Old Testament. This is generational curse. This is Old Testament. Just, if you're living in today and you say, well, my family's a bunch of sinners, that means I'm just doomed for this. No, you're now under the covering of the blood of Jesus. It changes. It changed. But now there's a healing here that you need to see. Yeah, because I'm what, wondering what's this got to do with healing. <laughs> what's fixed? Well, number one, you've got to understand where sickness and disease comes right. from. And you got to understand that it can that you that the people around you can take you into sin that can open the door because we're about to see a plague hit the rest of the congregation. Now, obviously, the rest of the, the rest of the Israelites at this point have learned, right? You that would they've think, learned. You would think. Verse forty-one. Now hold on. You would think, but remember, the two hundred and fifty were men of renown. The 250 were famous in all of the congregation. And this didn't happen just like this. This was over a period of several days, maybe even weeks, that this was all being stirred up. So how much do you know the people in the congregation were lending ear to the 250? So even though they weren't necessarily the ones standing against Moses and Aaron, their hearts have been stirred against God, and they're murmuring behind closed doors. All Thank right. you. So let's pick up our Verse 41. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Really? The very <laughs> next day, all of the congregation, the entire congregation, it's like, seriously? Really? I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen somebody in the church that... Satan takes them out, and the entire church gets mad at the pastor because of the way something goes down. And they all start murmuring against the situation. So they're murmuring against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. One them. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation. And behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron became, er, came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses. Remembering he does, remember, he does it face to face, and he doesn't hide it. Now, now, at the same time, let's remember this. We're looking at this situation, and we're laughing, and we're going, 
How dumb can these people be? They just saw. They just heard Moses say, uh, if, if these people are in the right, then God leave them alone. But if, God, if, I'm, if God's with me and God's against them, then let the earth open up. And then let God open the earth and God open the earth. I, I mean, and, and you, you look at this and you go, do you not see that God did this? But how many people say, God killed my family member? God put sickness on my granny. God caused this to happen, and God caused that to happen, and God took this person out, and God took that person out. Listen, God is not the God of death. That's Satan. Satan is the one that has killed and destroyed your family. Not God, not the minister, not the priest. Satan. And so we can look at this, and we can go, how stupid are these people? It's very clear what happened. But we see this happen all the time. Stupid statements like, well, God just needed another angel in heaven. No, he did not. For us to turn into angels when we leave this physical body is a demotion. There are servants. Yeah, we're the we're children of God. We're higher than them. We're higher than them. And what kind of God would say, well, I know it's your loved one, but it's more important that I have them than you, even though I gave them to you. That's God being an Indian giver. That's not our God. All right, verse 43. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. Now, Moses and Aaron didn't, didn't go, Okay, God, no problem. They fell on their faces. They interceded. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar. And put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. Now, I want you to think about this. Aaron just saw 250 people with censers with incense burned get alive. burned up. And now... <laughs> And now he knows God's wrath is being poured out. God's judge, And really what it is is God's judgment. God said, really? <laughs> See, because there was no avenue for mercy and grace. God was like, really? They're, they're going to rebel against me? Okay, then I'm just going to release them. He, and, and so now Aaron's going, uh, brother, I'm with you. I'm not against you. But do you think the censor with the incense is a good thing? Like, is this a good plan? I don't know that this is a good plan, Lord. And he says, he says, put the put the incense in it. He says, and go make atonement for them. In other words, he said, Aaron, get between God and the people. How that much you know? Sound like, that's like getting between a mother bear and her and her baby bear. That's like getting between a hippo and its water. It's just a that's a big no. Right. That's a big no. And he said, so he told Moses said, Aaron, go out there. This is how much faith and trust Moses has in his God. He said, God, Aaron, he knew Aaron had not done anything wrong. He knew that Aaron had, he knew that Aaron understood the penalty of murmuring. And he said, Aaron, get out there in between God's judgment and the people. This is ultimate intercession. This is ultimate intercession. Glory to God. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense. 
and made an atonement for the people. In other words, he sacrificed. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. So now, they, now they so, that died in the plague were 14,700. Beside them that died about the matter of Korah. So that's including the 250. And Aaron returned into, or, or well, that's not including. That's not including. That's what I meant to say. I said it backwards. 253, so, yeah. and now we've got how many? 14,700. 14, just, just under 18,000 people. And, and they it, all got sick because, or 15,000 people. Right, 15, sorry. Just under 15,000 people. Not enough sleep. And here's, what, what can I say? But he, and here's why they all got sick and here's why they all died. Because of murmuring and complaining. Because of murmuring and complaining. And that's, a, that's you wouldn't think that was that, all that big of a deal. I mean, we murmur and complain about things all the time. I don't think we will anymore. <laughs> we probably shouldn't. <laughs> we probably shouldn't. I mean, thank God for God's mercy and grace. But if he didn't like murmuring in the Old Testament, he doesn't like murmuring in the New Testament. True. That's where sickness came from. But look, even though they were murmuring, even though they were complaining, and it brought a plague, a sickness against them. Uh, uh, you know, this word plague, we've learned in the word in Revelations that this word plague actually doesn't necessarily, doesn't specifically mean sickness. In the Old Testament, sickness is definitely included, but it actually means to uh, to receive a strike as in like a spanking or a judgment penalty is what it means. So really what they were, they were stricken with correction is really, I mean, God didn't correct them with sickness. That's not what I'm saying. But God said, oh, you're going to murmur, you're going to complain. Okay, I'm going to lift my hand of protection. And 14,700 from the plague died. But what stopped it is the important thing. What stopped it was somebody who was in right standing with God, got in the middle of it, and interceded. That's what we do every single Sunday from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. We come in, we, we make our list of who all we need to pray for specifically, and we as a congregation, we intercede, we stand in the gap between the Father God and the judgment of sickness that's upon the people, and we believe and trust for Jehovah Rapha to take position and bring healing to the people. And we see it happening all the, every week. We have testimonies every week of a healing report. So intercession, getting somebody into intercession uh, or getting into intercession for somebody, standing in between that gap, pleading their case is another way to get healing to come. That's another way to get healing to come. Yep, it was. Yep. Yeah, it the was, whole family, the whole family yeah, of Korah, the, the whole household. Was, yeah, it was the family of Corinth, the family of Dathan, oh. the family of Abram, and then and then the two hundred. And then it was the two hundred and fifty. So yes, it was more than. So it'd probably uh, be over fifteen thousand. Yeah, that point. at that point we're probably because it was it was the husbands, the wives, the children, possibly parents that were in the home. It was anybody that was in the home. Servants. So, so more than yeah, servants. Uh, yeah, and how many were saved? And it says, 
Uh, look at verse 15. It says, And Aaron returned to Moses into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was saved. Now, here's the deal. There's still hundreds of thousands of Israelites that survived. Oh, hundreds yeah. of thousands of Israelites that survived. Um, it doesn't give us the exact number here, but there were hundreds of thousands of them that did survive. Um, and so, but what we can see from this is we can see one way that sickness comes is through murmuring. We've seen two different cases of this. We see that another way that, mur that sickness comes is when we try to elevate ourselves and take a position that God didn't call us to take. Another way that sickness comes is through, um, is through disrespect and disreverence of the men and women of God, God's servants. These are all things that you don't want to do because it opens the door to sickness and disease. But we also learned that through the prayer of intercession, through, through getting between God and that, between God's judgment and that person with sickness, that the sickness can be stayed. The sickness can be stopped. So isn't it wonderful that we have the ability of intercession? And what's wonderful is in the, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit to help them intercede. In the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit that helps us to intercede, that tells us how to pray and how to plead the case. So we're better intercessors than they were in the Old Testament. Thank you, Jesus. Well, glory to God. And I want to thank everybody for, bringing, or for correcting me in my misspeaking. Sometimes... <laughs> Things come out of my mouth that don't come across quite right. Exactly. And I appreciate that. It shows you're listening for enough, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to, you have to translate for Pastor Mike sometimes. Right. Yep. I, I don't mind. <laughs> you have to translate for him I don't sometimes. mind a bit. Well, glory to God. If I usher come, we'll do our tithes and offerings. I'll put mine in in the back because mine's in the back. I don't even have my phone to do it online. It's all in the back. But uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, they are way up in there. That's what Glory happens. to God. You want to bless the offering? Yes. Lord, we thank you for this uh, opportunity to give into your work. Lord, and we give with a grateful heart and a joyous heart because you commanded us to do so, and you have done so much more for us. Lord, we give uh, generously, and we, we just want we ask you to bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us in return, that we can become a bigger blessing. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for this word that we have received. We ask that, that it fall on, or, and we know that it will fall on good ground because we are, are faithful to follow you and to listen and to, and to meditate on your word throughout the week, Lord. And it will, it will bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those that we come in contact with because we will share this word, Lord. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is always working. Father, I thank you that when we sow our seed, you'll bless it beyond. Thank you, Father. Amen. Father, we thank you that you bless it beyond. We could ask, think, or hope in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. You can serve the people. Thank you, Jesus.